So I'm not going back and forth with a man who thinks that they should be in my position. If you want to be in my position, get in my position. Do you believe that? Bluff City Media presents The Anthony Sane Show on YouTube at Bluff City Media. Stepping up to the microphone is your host, Anthony Sane. Acknowledge me. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Anthony Sane Show. This is, of course, your host, Anthony Sane, here in the Bluff City Media Studios with my man, Kenny Stubblefield, behind the glass. What up, my guy? What's going on, bro? It's rainy outside. It's yeah, nasty. man. Had a lot of people that uh, got a lot of reviews, a lot of people hitting me up about uh, the other day's show, <laughs> about the tirade that went on about my height. Uh, but a lot of people were also saying they were uh, excited about uh, Paris Sharkey yeah, coming man. on every week. They said they like the chemistry between the three of us, the three-man team of me, you, and uh, Paris. So you definitely will see more of that to come. Got my man Greg Gaston, who will be on today from Sports 56 Mornings uh, and also from the Daily Memphian Podcast. He's going to jump in with me, man. We're going to talk some grizzly stuff, probably do some Tiger basketball, a little Tiger football with Greg as well. Greg is a great guy, man, one of the first uh, media members in the city to kind of acknowledge me, man. He acknowledged his tribal chief. Before I was the tribal chief, man. That's right, man. <laughs> You're undeniable, bro. Yeah, but uh, Greg's gonna come on. We're gonna talk some grizzly stuff, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play the the blame game a little bit, man. With two people who, in the last uh, few games, have been got who've gotten a lot of the criticism, um, and that's Taylor Jenkins and uh, Zach Kleiman. Which Zach Kleiman is not the entire front office, but I will throw him out there as the guy. Um, there are a lot of people saying that. Taylor Jenkins, you know, should be fired and whatever. I'm not the person who says he should be fired. I'm not there yet with him. But y'all got to stop standing in between him and the door to get the hell up out of here. Like, it's it's just too many people out there that are, like, acting like he's exempt from getting fired. I'm like, bro, what, what NBA landscape are you from where you think this guy is exempt? Like, I mean, we've seen guys who have been uh, – Coach of the year get fired that, that same offseason. Guys who won NBA championships within the last two years be fired. Guys who, who've done way more than Taylor Jenkins has done. We've seen these type of guys get fired. And just the, the energy and the attitude a lot of our fans are saying about Taylor Jenkins. Um, would it be would it fix anything? I don't know. But to act like he's he's above it is just strange stuff to me man and I, I hate to get into this crowd of conversation because I hate when hate when I say things that make certain groups of people think I'm agreeing with them or I see it now or all those type of things this isn't one of those type of things but you hear people talking about the whole Dylan Brooks thing shout out to Dylan Brooks for just that that these the Dylan Brooks theatrics we've seen this season yep kind of make me jealous because they're on a whole nother whole nother level of crazy shit he's been on this year but he seems to have mastered the crazy he's doing bigger stuff but it's not as wild looking as it was when he was with us you know what i mean oh yeah like the stuff he did like standing Stand. on the court standing on the court before the game started just like looking at lebron <laughs> like, this shit was did crazy. you see the video where lebron was standing right next to him and staring back yes. at him <laughs> yes. wild is crazy shit man but uh you look at dylan brooks man and it's like you talk about you talk about uh, Taylor Jenkins is a great coach, but if we we say that Ime Udoka is doing clearly doing a better job with him. He's setting the setting the tone or whatever with him. That probably was something as simple as, bro. I think you're a great player. I think you're good. If you get on the goofball shit, I'm not going to play you. I'm I'm sure that's probably all the conversation that was had, I had between Ime Udoka. And now we just see Dylan coming the F down. You know what I mean? And it, it probably was a thing where, hey, I'm going to use you more like a, a four than like a wing. 
and we'll see how that goes. Y- y'all don't probably remember this, man. Last year when Jaron was out, I was the guy that was stomping saying, start Dylan and Zaire at the same time yep. last year. And I was saying you could use Dylan like more of a four, small ball four. He can guard any four in the league probably. There's some guys he's going to struggle against, but we're going to struggle against those guys anyway. That was that was my whole premise. What level of struggle will you have? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But Houston, yeah. Houston is pretty much doing it. Offensively, they use Dylan like a four. They're not using him like a wing. You know what I mean? And I think it um it's it's better suited for him, man. Like that's and yep. that's coaching though, bro. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's coaching, that's strategy. We had five years of Dylan being an idiot, and we've seen in seven games that he's he's being used a totally different way. Like and and that's that's coaching, though, man. And you and it's like with, with with Taylor Jenkins, that last 35 seconds of the game, oh, God. to watch in real time, to watch him stand beside Santi and say, hey, Santi, leave there. Come trap over here on Kyle Lowry. <laughs> on Kyle Lowry. And, the, and, the, and how that broke the whole defense down. And instead of being locked into a man, now everybody's following this man and chasing his man and covering his man. Everybody's open. And, and you guys running all over the place. Instead of just staying playing, staying at home, like you, t- I saw him tell Santi, "Hey, come over here." You know what I mean, I saw it, man. I'm like, "What are you doing, bro?" And like, lack of total lack of execution, lack of adjustments. Like Bam Adebayo was just they were running plays, just murder. They, they were leave. It's almost like they were strategizing to leave Bam Adebayo open it in, in the middle. Did you see his shot chart? Mark King posted it last night on Twitter. Man, his I'm, shot chart from last night. I'm sure it was crazy. Um, wild. And I like that's the problem I have with Taylor Jenkins, man. I'm not gonna act like he's exempt from anything. He's not he's not this he's not Eric Spolster, bro, who looked like a master of coaching last night against uh Taylor Jenkins. He's not him, he's not Greg Popovich, he's not some legendary coach who's exempt of of uh um criticism at all. Yeah, yeah, we gotta stop that. Do you now. not sometimes coaching the best coaches just don't co- they don't overcoach. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that fine balance. I think that that Taylor yeah, needs man. to find, and he and he needs to coach off of field and instinct, man. It's like too yeah. much. I don't know, man. I don't know, but I'm gonna move off of him. A lot uh, of non-feeling dudes on that team. Yeah, man. And, and, and we'll talk about that. Zach Kleiman. Um, I, I got to give him all the credit in the world. I don't. But there's not a planet that I live on that I want to see him not be here next year. I think he's done a good job. Uh, Stacy Montero uh, makes a good points on Twitter that. Um, that that he's 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 he has created equity to, to give him time. Yep. But now they 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 see mistakes they've made and now she's giving him grace for corrective action. Like you you you've done a great job. You see the mistakes you made, we see mistakes you made, go out there and fix it. Go go correct the action. Go do the corrective uh work. Go do it. Do what you need to do. And I'm that's where I'm at too, like with yeah. this team. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not he hasn't done anything that's fireable for me, but he does need to recognize some of the error of his ways and do what he needs to do. Um, there are certain guys on this team that, in my opinion, just aren't NBA players. And it's just – Oh, my God. When when you watch this Miami team and you see – what's the guy's name? Hinesworth? High Smith. High Smith. When you see a guy who looks like uh, 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 the one of the third member of a, of a 90s R&B group, like the, the like backup point. Yeah, not not the not the the lead singer, not the other dude. But oh yeah, that third dude. That third dude. That's yeah. what he looks like. Yeah, like, like that's what he looks like in the face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but to see that dude look be some guy. I only know that guy got drafted, right? Did he? I don't know. I've never. I don't know who that I don't dude know who is. Who he is. 
but to see him. No, I don't. To see him out there looking like the most a, generic. Yeah. Name, ben Smith. But to see him look like a legitimate. He's a he's an NBA starter, man. And and when we're not doing the oh, well, you got to wait to develop these guys. You can't judge them after the second year. What's wrong with going back to the G League? You're not hearing these kind of conversations about these dudes, man. They come in ready to freaking play basketball because they're basketball players and they're actually good. Man. Like Miami routinely finds these dudes and they put them in the position to actually go out there and look good and play basketball. The 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 uh the Latino Jesus looking dude they got. Oh, uh, the Jaime Vasquez. Jaime ya- he looks like a basketball player. He's, he's a like, hooper. He was ready to hoop. He's a hooper. <laughs> he's the one that hit the three. You throw the ball to him in the corner, he's confident, he's ready, he knocked the shot down. It's not like he's not there out there looking super oh, tight. Man. He's just out there hooping. The the 2002 draft for the Grizzlies was a debacle, man. You got you had five rookies on that team. None of those dudes are panned out. I don't care what you think about David Roddy. Like I put on Twitter, there's a difference between developing fringe players. When I say a fringe player, I mean guys who are – when you brought that guy in, it was questionable whether or not he, he was either NBA player or NBA rotation player. They're not a high pick. When you're talking about drafting guys in the 19s, the 20s, second round, all those type of guys, those are your fringe guys, guys that you make and develop and turn them into something. There's a difference between identifying and developing fringe players like the the Heinz Smiths and, and, and these type of guys from Miami and the, the all the guys before him. What's the guy's name who's in Cleveland now who was a, a looks like an insurance agent. Now he is a good player. Uh, he was uh, for Miami last year. Uh, good oh, uh, Stroop. Yeah, Struess, 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 and Thank the you. other guy that's with the Lakers now. Just dudes, you know, they just find dudes. Gabe man. Vincent, Max Gabe Struce, Vincent, yeah. uh, my guy, Duncan Caleb Martin, Robin, Caleb Duncan, Martin, Robinson. Duncan Robinson. They just find dudes, bro, just, that and, are that are hoopers and it can play ball. Like there's a difference between developing fringe players and forcing guys that to be aren't decent, hooper, that aren't to be hoopers decent. to be hoopers. You to can't, be, de- you can't do it. No, <laughs> we, we try to. We're forcing guys to be decent. We took John Conchar, who's a project. They played him, forced him down our throws, played him, played him, played him, developed, developed, developed him just to make him a decent player. He's not a good player. Like, John Conchar ain't good. He's hit, hit, is that his ceiling? His right, ceiling you know what I mean? It's a decent player. <laughs> right. But, they, uh, hey, they developed the hell out of him, David though. Roddy, we've developed him to be decent. Zaire, man, get out of here. Like, dude, like, y'all really thought y'all had me eating crow with this dude. Like, I, I was ready to say, hey, man, I'm wrong. People, oh, yeah, make sure, make sure the apology is loud as the – no, man. This is why I was loud. The dude's not a hooper. <laughs> this is why I was loud about Zaire Williams, man. He's got all the look. He's got everything that you would want. Right. He's a 6'10 guy who can somewhat dribble, who can shoot. He's got no instinct. No instinct to hoop, man. It, it's nothing's natural to him, man. But, man, I'm going to get out of my way. I'm in my feelings a little bit. Because <laughs> I'm like, I, I get all the criticism. I get both of those guys, Jenkins and uh, Kleiman, do deserve the criticism, man. But, like, do I have faith in them both? Honestly, I do not. I've got more faith in climbing, being able to right the ship and, you know, make moves around the edges. We've never seen him do it. We've never seen this guy spend any money and and, and, and never spend the, ML, uh, the middle of exception anybody. Yep. Nobody. He's never went out there and signed anyone outside of Tyus Jones uh, his first year here. We've never seen him go out and just go get a guy to help out. You know what I mean? So I'm, I am concerned about if they'll be able to, to take things to that next level. But last year, last year in the playoffs, Draymond said something pretty savage to to Dylan Brooks. He said, mm-hmm. uh, "This team is good. The the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be great, but that dynasty starts without you, not with you." That's where is I'm that at. Where Taylor we're Jenkins. at with Taylor Jenkins. That's where I'm at. I don't. And man, that's not anything crazy to say. Hist- history says that Taylor Jenkins is not going to be Eric Spolster. He's not going to be Greg Popovich. 
he's probably going to be like the dozens and dozens of hundreds of coaches before him who started with a young team. The team got good, but he wasn't around when they actually won championships. That's Mark Jackson. It's right. a lot of dudes. And ain't just Mark. It's a, it's, that's typically the case. There's been two guys in my lifetime that have been the coach of a team through every iteration, through the good and bad, different uh, yeah. star players, different you know cornerstones of the team. It's only been two dudes in my lifetime that I can even remotely give that type of comparison to right. who've always been around. I saw Pat Riley get fired. I saw all types of dudes. I saw I, I saw Phil Jackson. He ain't never got fired, but he, he ain't coaching no bad team. He, he, didn't, got stick bad, he, was he didn't stick around. Yeah. He, <laughs> he got on down. When they got bad, he was like, I'm, right, I'm, I'm, a, fr- I'm a front runner, bro. Yeah, holler at me when y'all get this shit together. You, you know, know what I mean? So I, it just don't happen, man. So if, if, if Taylor Jenkins isn't that guy, He's just like that's fine. 98% of the coaches. Yeah, he's, just, he's just a coach. Yeah, so and that's fine. Yeah. But uh, we'll take a break, man. When we come back, Greg Gaston is here. Uh, he's going to be a great segment, I'm sure. Going to have him here for the sit-down with Sane. See you guys in a minute, man, here on the Anthony Sane Show. Just taking off of, we're not, I don't even want to talk about the players first. Just taking off of Penny Hardaway coach team's track record. Mm-hmm. They typically, historically, play up to competition, whether they're yeah. the inferior team or not. And we've seen that throughout the last couple of years. And honestly, that's been a, a pretty hard critique on his teams is that they kind of leave a little bit to be desired against inferior opponents at times and then they they know when to step up under the lights this team with how much experience and age that they have and knowing the goal that they came here for yeah and knowing the conference that they play in quality this opponents, is that first opportunity to boost that resume so i can get to a tournament my final year yes. of eligibility for a lot of these guys. yes so this could be a tipping point for what the non-conference schedule could be. Right. And I just feel like with a team with this many experienced veteran guys, they understand what's in front of them. Tune in to On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. We have more capable shooters on this team than mm. we've had in a while. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not like... I don't know that we have one that is like flat out just dead eye. Man, two. But you've got five or six that can come out and hit two threes every night. I don't know. For a second there, Jaquan did not look like he planned on missing. Well, David Jones' the second half looked like he didn't plan on missing. I mean, Nick Jordan's knocking down balls. Jonathan Pierre threw one in there. I don't know if this is going to make sense. But they looked more like a team than previous Penny teams. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? This early in the year, for sure. I think you come second half of the season, every Penny team to date has looked like a a team playing together. Roles defined. But to the point, it's taken a chunk of the season to get to that point. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. 
When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. Y'all, welcome back to the Anthony Sane Show. Got one of the, the true legends of Memphis media in here, man. Y'all better start playing with my guy, Greg Gaston. Man. I know y'all see me cracking jokes on him on Twitter, man. Don't worry about what, what he know about us and all that type of stuff, man. This is my guy, Greg Gaston, in the building. What's going on, Greg? Hey, man, it is great to be here. Thank you so much yeah. for the invitation. Greg, you one of the type of dudes that, like, uh, you will allow people to, like, crack on you. And that's something I've always appreciated about you. Uh, I remember meeting you when I was covering Tiger football, of all things, man. I was covering Tiger football for the Tri-State Defender, you were one of the first, like, mainstream media members to kind of reach out to me. It kind of tripped me out a little bit, Kenny, when he, when he first started, just started speaking to me. <laughs> I was like, why is Greg Gaston speaking to me? I knew who he was because he's got, you know, one of the most recognizable voices, of course, in the city uh, and faces where you see him on TV or radio, whatever you're doing. So I always thought it was, I always thought it was, it was an honor for you to, to reach out to me back when I first got started. Like, you were really, literally one of the first people that actually paid attention to me or acknowledged me doing what I was doing as an uh, independent journalist. So, man, I'm glad I could finally get you on. You make me laugh on Twitter, man. Um, <laughs> I cut on your show sometimes just to uh, laugh at some of the takes that you have. Not not sure it takes like sports I understand. takes. But like your pop culture stuff is always hilarious to me. Like how, the, the lens that you view things from. You're saying I'm old. That's yeah, what you're man, saying. Yeah, man, I'm saying that you're old. I'm but it's ancient, just, I understand. But you're, you, you're able to laugh at it, though. That's is that, right. Is that like you don't you think so highly of yourself like you can't, like don't question anything That's after. true. So, right. yeah. And I appreciate you coming on sure, with me today, absolutely. man. absolutely. My guy, Greg Gaston. Uh, you can check him out, Sports 56 Mornings. And, of course, the, uh, the Daily Memphian Podcast. Daily Memphian Podcast yeah. and uh, doing some things for the Tigers with yeah, football and basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Legend in the game, for sure, my man, Greg Gaston. Well, Greg, we're not in the best mood today. Uh, our Memphis Grizzlies are 1-7 uh, and seven as of uh, now. Uh, tough game the other night against the Miami Heat here at home. Uh, disappointing ending, a lot of criticism uh, coming out all over the place, questioning this person, that person, who's to blame, all these type of things. We'll get into that later, but what are some of your overall thoughts on the season so far? Well, obviously they've been handed uh, a bad deal Mm -hmm. to start the season. When you find out that Adams, a couple of days before the start of the season, is gone for the year, Mm -hmm. you already knew the job was suspended. So now you're playing way behind the eight ball. Right. And that is – Something you can't do. There, there's no blame to be thrown at Taylor Jenkins mm-hmm. or at Zach Kleiman or anybody for that. Ja is to blame for what happened to Ja. Mm-hmm. The Adams injury. Now, we could say as far as transparency, there wasn't much with the media. That mm-hmm. whole deal with Adams, it was very quiet during the summer. Everybody thought he's coming back 100% healthy. I mean, we and saw him play in preseason. We saw him play in yeah. the preseason, and that doesn't happen. So, you, you can certainly argue about transparency or the lack thereof with the mm-hmm. Grizzlies. But you're already way behind the eight ball. So you can't really fault them. Now, some of the moves that have been made by Zach Klein and Tayshawn Prince and company have been terrific. Mm-hmm. And they have deserved praise, and we have given them praise. But of late, you could also say some of the moves they have made have not panned out well. Mm-hmm. Probably evens out for the most part, unless you're the, the top-tier GMs in, in right. NBA history, right? Normally, you're going to get a lot of hits, and then you'll miss every once in a while. But you look at this roster right now. 
And you think about it and you go, wait a minute, who's going to produce on this team other than Dez and Tripp? You went out and got Marcus Smart. I think everybody was fine with right. that. Mm -hmm. But who's gone? Tyus is gone. Brooks is gone. Anderson's gone. Melton's gone. They're all gone. And who's in there now? Zaire Williams, Ravia, Roddy, and Conchar still there. And Junior gets a contract at the end of mm -hmm. last year. And the, some of these moves are just not working out. Yeah. Let's be honest. These Period. are misses right now. Right. So when you have a couple of key players out, you're going to go from what could be a, an extremely competitive team once again to a team that at best is mediocre. And right now, they're not even that. Right. That's that's definitely the, the hard part is that you see a team that we've seen this team be good for so many years. And on top of the injuries, you still can add that they have made questionable moves in the front office. It's, it's undeniable uh, that you have to say that for sure. Because, like, the thing is, and this is something I kind of was hitting at on Twitter today this morning, <laughs> is that this front office did a great job of identifying talent, like to get a team from being a bad team mm -hmm. to a good team. But once you had once you had those two or three years of successful drafting, you can't draft cute players at that time. You got to acquire, you got to make moves that take the team from good to great, you know, or good to contender. And that 2022 draft, that offseason just feels like a – it's a dud. You know what I mean? It's no other way you can look at it, the guys that they brought in. Well, Ant, they, they make a couple of those moves early, mm -hmm. and, and they're, they hit on those, mm -hmm. right? And then they go out and they think, well, you know what? We're getting it through the draft. These guys are going to be cheap. Right. They're on the rookie contracts. Right. You draft Desmond Bain. You draft Brandon Clark. Right. Yeah. That, was, that was incredible. Mm -hmm. Brandon Clark has panned out very well until the injury. Des right. Bain, a stroke of genius. But mm -hmm. now you say, oh, let's try it again. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't work. Now, I will give them credit. The offseason, what did they do? They tried to get Mikhail Bridges. Mm -hmm. They tried to get OG Ananobi. Yep. It didn't work out. They mm -hmm. offered a bunch of uh, first-round picks. What it tells me, too, is what used to be extremely valuable in the NBA, a first-round pick, is no longer yep. the asset that it used to be. So if you're going to make a deal, yeah, the first-round picks are a throw-in, but you better have something to trade. And right yep. now, you look at that team – <laughs> there ain't nothing to trade right. unless you're trading a marquee player, which mm -hmm. they're not going to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of a tough situation because, like you said, you have guys who you hit on, like a Brandon Clark who's, you know, wearing street clothes. Steven Adams, the same thing. We're, we're looking at a situation with Steven Adams where it may be, he may be out two years. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah, nobody knows what it'll be like and when the he comes same back. And the same thing with Brandon Clark. But mm -hmm. you, you said something that kind of sparked something in me earlier when you you talked about the lack of transparency in the beginning. That's something I've always talked about. And people say, well, who is transparent and all these type of things. But when you when you do those type of things, when you you're not being clear about injuries, when you're being super secretive about things and you you do all these type of things that this front office does, we can't really defend you when things go wrong. You know what I mean? It's when when we show up to media day, you're like, oh yeah, Brandon Clark had surgery a few weeks. What? Like, what are you talking about? Like, exactly. What are you, like, you can't trust. Yeah, you can't I, trust because you don't know yeah, what's going on, yeah. right? It definitely creates a situation where mm -hmm. you don't you don't really know how to defend these guys. Right. When 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 you when when you tell us, hey, you're not important enough to us for us to be clear and open with you. Why do you want? Why do you expect us to defend right. you when we we can't give you the benefit of the doubt now because you, you've kind of made that that separation on your end. You've exactly. Done it. So uh, I totally get those things for sure. I, I can't knock climbing. I'm not. I don't think he needs to be replaced. I I love what he's doing, but I am concerned about if they're able, like I said, to take this organization from where they are a good team before this season 
and then take them to that next level, man. Because it's 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 one thing, like I said, to go for we're bad. Let me acquire rookies, young players to make us take us from bad to good. But there were just steps that they should have made to go to that next level that they haven't done. I think so. Look, and I'll I'll give them the benefit of <clears throat> yeah. the doubt right now at this mm -hmm. point. I will give the benefit of the doubt certainly to Taylor Jenkins. Mm -hmm. But now they have to figure out how can they salvage this season. Yeah. Because you don't want to be waving the white flag eight games into the year. Yeah. What are you telling your fan base, people who bought season tickets? Mm -hmm. What do you tell John Morant, who'll who be back after 25 Exactly. Games? Now, if you're hanging your hat on everything's going to be honky-dory when Ja comes mm -hmm. back, it's going to be a lot better because yeah. he's one of the best players in the league. Right. But it doesn't fix every problem that they have. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting what's going on with Bismack Biombo. Because Bismack Biombo, while he's certainly not Steven Adams, could could plug the hole here because yeah. he's a defensive guy who rebounds the basketball, mm -hmm. takes up space, blocks shots, and sets screens. Mm -hmm. Xavier Tillman has been a solid part of that team, but he is a backup. Right. They got to figure out in 17 more games when Ja comes back, if I did my math right, I think I did. Yeah, we got 17 more to go. They got to figure out if Bismack is the right guy because now if you have Bismack who's keeping them okay down low. Jaron plays four, not the five. Mm -hmm. That experiment doesn't work. No. He's a four. <laughs> and Ja comes back with Dez, with Smart, Kennard, Santi off the bench. It's a pretty solid team. Mm -hmm. But if that happens, you have to cut a player. Or is there a trade possibility? And we go back to what I said about the, you know, what do they have as far as trading chips? Well, the, the first-round picks anymore are not that important it seems mm. like for teams again what they offered in the offseason three four first round picks whichever story you you yeah. care to believe it it wasn't good enough obviously you'd have to throw in a few players as well but i think right now they have to really give bismack biombo a good look see where they are <laughs> if not they have to do something because if they don't again all they're telling the fan base is is we're dropping back, we're punting mm -hmm. until next year. And nobody wants to hear that. Not right. from a team that's been second best in the West the last right. two years. With the whole Biombo thing, it looks like he's going to pan out. Um, he, Like you said, the things that he does, he's a lesser version of Steven Adams in a lot of areas. Right. So you would assume that they're not going to get rid of him when Jai comes back. I how think would, they'll keep him. How would you handle the, the roster crunch at that point? Yeah, that's tough. So mm -hmm. it probably comes down, if they keep Biombo and there's no trade, mm -hmm. It comes down to either Junior, whose deal is only good through this past year or mm -hmm. through this year coming up, or maybe LaRavia. And then with LaRavia, you're admitting that you really blew it because mm -hmm. that guy was picked in the late teens, yeah. right? 18, 19 mm -hmm. in the yeah. draft a couple of years ago. And you ago. moved up and you moved assets to go get him. You moved a lot of assets, yeah. right? <laughs> Which is so crazy, man. So hindsight to think about. Yes. So, so does the pride get in the way or not? Which one do you need more? Well, LaRavia has dropped so deep on that bench. Mm -hmm. Lofton's getting some time over him. Now, I know they're different positions, but he's coming in. And LaRavia isn't coming off the pine now. I, I think it's going to be very hard for him to get back in the good favor. Mm -hmm. uh, and Conchar's been out. He's still not playing. Uh, Santi just got back. So I would think right now there's, there's a good chance they could cut ties with LaRavia. But I would think the odds would tell you that it would be junior mm -hmm. if they did not make a trade and they kept Biombo. I'm going to tell you what what I think about that whole situation because everyone's like, okay, just wave Kenny or just wave Jake or whatever. I think they should be working now to make some type of consolidation trade to free up a spot instead of just waving the guy. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. 
if it takes Roddy in a Roddy in a pick or these two guys combined in a pick or two picks, well, they need to get at least one more dude on this team that can play basketball. <laughs> like, there's a lot of dudes on this team that just aren't basketball, just aren't NBA players, man. I agree with you. you know I, mean? yeah. I agree with you 100. I would bet that they are doing that. Yeah. that. They are looking at their options, which may be why we're seeing these guys so much. Because teams are okay. Can that dude walk? You know what I mean? Can he walk? Can he walk well, and shoot gum? I, I think, you know we're, mean? <laughs> I think right. we're seeing them a lot because right. they're running out of players. Right. Somebody's right. got to play in the damn right. game. Yeah, Come man. On. It's 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 tough times for sure, man. Because like I said, that 2022 draft. That was the offseason where you really you had you had healthy Steven Adams, you had healthy Brandon Clark, you had Zaire. I mean not Zaire, you had you had Zaire, yeah. You had Zaire in the fold. He had a nice rookie season. If you had to capitalize and played that offseason well, you probably would not be here. Even with the injuries, if you would have had a couple more guys that can just come in and play. See, that's yeah. that's what drives me crazy when people talk about windows. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Grizzlies are so young. Their window is so wide open. Yeah, it doesn't nearly you, look as big as it did. You uh, never uh, know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Did anybody? Could anybody anticipate what Jaw was going to go out and right. do? Right. Does anybody have that keen uh, foresight to predict that Stephen Adams, that little injury we thought was going to mm-hmm. take him out for a few weeks, is going to basically take him out for nearly two years? Mm-hmm. So the window closes very tightly. Yep. But what you have to do is you have to op- you have to somehow open it up a little bit more mm-hmm. because this is your time. You have Bain. You have Jackson. You're getting job back. Mm-hmm. You have to add to those pieces. This isn't a team that is looking to clean house and start anew. No, no. This is a talented team. Yeah. It's just what can get you over the top to get them back into the position yeah. to be a postseason team. And yeah. I'm, I'm saying postseason. I'm not even saying playoff. I'm talking about the playing as well. Mm-hmm. Right now, you're on the outside looking right. in. It's just kind of discouraging when you think about that in the climbing era since they've been here. They've made – they haven't signed – they haven't used the MLE on anybody. Like, they used it that first year with Tyus Jones, but it's like those are the type of signings that can just kind of – really take your team to the next level when you're putting real talent around your your I think you clearly identified in the in the guys that have been through here in this five years, I think they clearly identified the guys that are their guys. Jaron, Bain, and and Ja are the guys they identified as being their guys. And I think that's correct. I, I'm not I don't have a problem with them moving off of Dylan or anything, but you you have to bring in guys to replace guys though. Like you 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 left like the cover extremely bare. But um I'll say this and then we'll move off of the grease. I'll ask sure. you this uh, question about them. Does the fact that we've seen uh, Desmond Bain and even to a greater extent Jaron Jackson Jr. take their games to the next level and then knowing you're about to get job back, does that create any optimism for you going forward to see that, like I said, they have identified the three guys that are the, the stars of the team? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They are the three guys that have been identified, like you said, and they should be the three guys that you would identify. Mm-hmm. Ja, ja mm-hmm. one of the best players in the league. Des is on that trajectory to one day be an all-star. And Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. is the reigning defensive player of the year. That's a great contingent. Yep. That's a great trio to start with. It's just adding those other pieces, right. making that bench deeper, not where you have guys on the bench that you're, eh, I don't even know if I want to bring them in the game. I'm not right. saying Taylor saying that, but you know, <laughs> we look at it and we cringe. Go, that guy's we say in the we, game. Don't, we don't want to bring him in the it, game. Yeah, yeah. You, want, you want more options with that bench, but you have to, you also have to figure out Zaire. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out. I, I don't know about Zaire. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I don't you. think you make, anybody does, man. Yeah, I'm no. not sure if you like him a little bit better than I do. I know mm-hmm. we had that first year, his rookie mm-hmm. year, when he started to put it together. I, I'm just not sold yet. The game the other night, man, yeah. he was out there, but he was really invisible. Yeah. So they need production every. No, I'm not talking about Ja, 
trip, Bane production, but it's got to be something. Mm-hmm. You can't be two points, two rebounds, yeah. play nearly 30 minutes, and shoot 0 for 9 or whatever he did. <laughs> Just it has there. to be some – there's yeah. got to be some middle ground. Yeah, man, I was um, I was heavy against – I was heavy on uh, Zaire being against him. Uh, this offseason, not playing in the summer league and all the things, the excuses they were making for him. Right. Then he came in saying, you know, I'm in good shape. I'm, I worked harder than anybody. And he start, he looked good in the preseason. I bid on it. He looked good in the season start. <laughs> I was, man, I was fully prepared to eat crow, man. The damn crow wings grew out and jumped and flew, came back to life and flew out to the damn plate. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was ready to eat it, man. The damn crow came back to life, man. Took I'm off. With him. You. I'm yeah, with so you. Yeah, so I don't, I don't really know what to think about him. I'm kind of over the whole thing because I'm, I'm tired of talking about his confidence. Like, man, nobody's going to babysit this dude. Like, right. man, either you're an NBA player or you're not. Like, we're not going to coddle you and wait till Jog gets back. He's going to play better with Jog. Man, either you're good or you're not, man. And, and we've, another thing, too. I, know, I knew bringing you on was going to make this side of me come out, too, man. <laughs> I'm glad. Just being real about some of the stuff I see because we talk so much. Are you saying I debate on my radio yeah, show? Is we, that what you're saying? We, okay. No, it's like you, I know you have, uh, you, you're not always going to be super, you know, in the clouds, optimistic about the team. I know you'll be realistic mm. about it. And you're bringing that side of me out because we talk about development so much in this organization. And I'm watching this Miami team. And they just have, like, these random dudes that they find every year. Like, Miami just finds dudes who come in. It's not like it's not like they're giving them training wheels or giving them a walker. These dudes, they come in, and they're, like, self-motivated, and they go play basketball. Throw them right into the fire. And, and it's right? like we, we, we talk about, well, you got to give them time. Like, I understand the whole giving the guy time. But, like, we're in year three with Zaire. Either you can play or you can't, man. Right, like, right. It's, it's, this is college. <laughs> right, right. And it's like with, with, with Jake LaRavia, like, what does developing him even look like? Like, what is he going to turn into? Like, there is a chance he turns into something, but more than likely that guy is just not going to pan out, man. It right. happens all the time in right. the NBA. So I think that we kind of throw the word – we use the word development uh, so loosely. But switching over to the other basketball team in town, okay. uh, Tiger basketball kicking off. Uh, Jackson State came in. Uh, we handled them pretty good. Didn't really play well, but when you score almost 100 points in a college basketball game and not play well, that does seem to be optimistic. Uh, what are your impressions so far from what you've seen preseason and uh, in the Jackson State game as the Tigers now prepare to hit the road to uh, take on Missouri? Top to bottom, the most talented team that Penny has had. And mm-hmm. he's had some talented teams. He's yeah. had two number one recruiting classes. He had a team that had both Jalen Duren and Monty Bates. Duren mm-hmm. uh, worked out. Bates didn't work out, but they're both playing in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. But from top to bottom, uh, this is a real deep team. They're long. This is the longest team I've yeah. seen. Yeah. Right, you got guys that are wings that are six seven with arm lengths yeah. that go forever. They can score. They can score yeah. and they can shoot. They're not the greatest three point shooting team. Don't give me uh, don't don't confuse me here. There's not five Steph Curry's running around, right. but they can shoot the rock really well. And it's a completely different team than last year. Not just with personnel because there's only two guys back mm-hmm. in Jaden Hardaway and Malco, but it's completely different. Is that last year you had Kendrick Davis, hell of a player. DeAndre Williams, hell of a player. And then you had just complimentary I can't players. tell you anybody to play on that team. But no. <laughs> I mean, like, thinking back, like, I've got faces in my head. Like, okay, there was the the, the guy that played hard, another dude that played hard. <laughs> then, like, the other dude that kind of, like, real, really, really played hard. The guy that gave a good effort. Yeah. That the, guy. Yeah, it was the hustle guy. Right, there was a the hustle like, guy. They had an energy guy. <laughs> then it was like, like. But that's, you know what, we laugh, but that's that's, that's what it was, man. And you know what? They they and they played their role role well, uh-huh. right? They got to the NCAA tournament, should have beaten Florida Atlantic. We won't bring that up mm-hmm. again. The rest is history. This year, it's different. It's yeah. not two-headed monster and the rest of the guys. 
it's about a seven, eight-headed monster. Yeah. And some other guys who could play too, but are waiting mm -hmm. in the wings. Yeah. So the thing that people bring up is, all right, are there going to be chemistry issues? What happens when they face adversity for the first yeah, time? Yeah. They get the Mizzou Tigers mm -hmm. on Friday. If they lose yeah. to Mizzou, are there, there going to be some finger pointing? Hey, mm -hmm. man, I only got three shots. I only played 18 minutes. You know, that's something that right. Penny and his staff have to worry about. Of course, Penny won't be coaching him Friday because of the three-game suspension. Rick yeah. Stansbury will. But overall, I think you get my point. Mm -hmm. There could be issues. What you hope is that they're all balled in. And if they are, this team can go really far. Yeah. They can go really far. Now, I don't think they're a polished team by any stretch of the imagination at this point. But, Ant, they got to be early in the season because the schedule that Penny put together, a non-conference schedule, you have to take advantage of it because it is hard to make up anything in conference play yeah. other than Florida Atlantic. These are bad basketball teams in this conference. Yeah. So you can only hurt yourself by losing to one of those teams. You're not going to help yourself. They're not going to beat East Carolina and then the committee will go, man, that big win over East Carolina, we'll jump them up two lines on in the, the seating. Yeah. Exactly. But if you lose, <laughs> we'll drop loss. you a line in the seating. So right. to get out of that 10, 9, 8 seed and to be more like a 4 or 5, mm -hmm. it would be great to even be higher. But baby steps. Yeah. You need to win some of these early non-conference games. Yep. And for that to happen, you have to gel and have chemistry. Yep. That trip to the DR certainly helped to have most people there. But they didn't have everybody there. Yep. And then all of a sudden, Malco waited most of the summer yep. to decide he was going to come back. But long-winded answer to your question, I think this could be a really talented yeah, team. Yeah, for sure. Um, we saw a strange starting lineup, um, Penny Hardaway. A lot of hype has been for Jordan Brown. A lot of people were saying he might be Penny's best player this year. Right. Once he gets going, uh, Caleb Mills as well, dynamic scorer. Both of those guys came off the bench in the first yeah. game. Do you think that was, okay, this is Jackson State, let me just try this out type of thing? Or is that you think there's something that Penny's going to do, they'll be doing going forward? No, it wasn't because they were playing Jackson State. I, mm -hmm. I broadcasted that game, and I was surprised when mm -hmm. I saw that starting a lot when I was told before the game by Rick Stansbury what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Basically, mm -hmm. it came down to guys that were not giving the energy that mm -hmm. Penny needed in practice leading up to that game. Right. So we went with guys that brought more energy. He went with Malco in that starting lineup. He went with uh, Nick Jourdain in that starting lineup. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how motivated now Brown will be, Jordan Brown. Caleb Mills went out and got seven rebounds coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. He led the team in rebounding. So I thought he maybe he, he, he heard the message. So I would not be surprised if we see a change in the lineup on Friday. Mm -hmm. If not, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a change coming soon. I don't think the five we saw against Jackson State is the five necessarily you're going to see moving uh, as the season goes. Mm -hmm. because, but as Rick told me, doesn't matter who starts. It, it matters who finishes. To us. To us. Right. You know players <laughs> right. want to start. Right. You can only start five of them. But I think, look, Jordan Malco is has been terrific. I love talking, mm -hmm. engaging with the guy. But Jordan Brown was named the best player at the mid-level mid -level last mm -hmm. year. Um, so you're talking about a guy who has got an awful amount of talent, an awful amount of experience. Right. He should be the starting center. Caleb Mills should be in that starting lineup. I'm not going to argue with those guys. They know more basketball. They've forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if the lineup gets switched up a little bit as quickly as the Missouri game. Yeah. Um, um, I don't think that what we saw the other night is going to be the lineup either. It's kind of it's kind of hard to say, though, because a lot of people who've kind of either been at practice or got word from practice is that that lineup wasn't new. Like, we've been seeing that lineup a lot. 
So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how that goes because I think that, you know, chemistry will matter a lot on this team. Right. And, and the way that these guys' egos respond to certain things. Uh, speaking of which, I've been a proponent of saying that, not particularly that I don't want DeAndre Williams back, but I was kind of like I can see a side where if he's not here, especially on the chemistry side, you're dealing with a, a better situation. Because if he's here, either David Jones or Jaquan Walton are going to have to hit the bench. Like one of those two guys who seem to be guys who are dynamic scorers, who – can play the three or the four, you're going to have some type of issue. As far as DeAndre goes, what do you think about him not being eligible and also how it could have possibly affected the team if he was here? Yeah, Penny wanted him. I yeah. can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. Coaches want as much talent as they can mm-hmm. get and, and hope that chemistry-wise everybody's good with it. Right. Uh, DeAndre was a fan favorite. Yeah. You saw him. Mm-hmm. I loved watching that guy play. I looked at it more as a positive <clears throat> that he was coming back because mm-hmm. he is so good. Not only would he be one of the top players in the in the uh, conference, I think he'd be one of the top players mm. in the country. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's a downer that he wasn't given that uh, that extra year. But I knew that was going to happen. It's the NCAA. Yeah. They're not granting waivers. I think they had a good argument. They appealed it, were denied, came back and appealed again. First the, first the waiver, then they mm. appealed. And this was like in a second, second appeal. So even though Penny had the confidence that maybe they would change their minds because there was new evidence – the NCAA. We know the NCAA. Yeah. So, want to wish DeAndre the best of luck as he begins his professional career wherever mm. he does. But I wish he was here. I think that would have made Memphis, in my opinion, um, assuming that everybody stays healthy and there was no mm. implosion interiorly, I think that would have made him a top ten team without a question in my mm. mind. I can I can see it. Like I said, I don't I don't have a. I wouldn't have been upset if he was here. No, but I right. just feel like there would have been. A chemistry issue. And it could have been. And, and just because you're saying, been. well, DeAndre is better than these guys, and and we assume he's he's better than these guys. Because I just saw Jaquan Walton, like he's about to go out for 30, doesn't like, You know what I mean? So <laughs> he's, I don't, he's pretty good you know too. I mean? So yeah, so I don't, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have been good, but I don't think this team needs, I think that's the last time, thing this team needs is any type it's of chemistry. It's a fair point right. that you make. Because regardless of your talent level, if you got chemistry issues, it can throw a lot of things out the window. No so question. That's always been how I thought about that whole thing. Uh, final question for Greg Gaston, of course. Uh, you guys know him from Sports 56 Mornings, also the Daily Memphian Podcast, uh, which is a pretty new thing for you yes, uh, as well. Yeah. You're doing over there. Um, this is something I'm, I don't really know enough about it to speak on it. You're okay. one of the few guests that I can have on that can, that can speak intelligently about this. Um, I'm kind of unapologetic about how indifferent I am about Tiger football, right? <laughs> but I want them to do well. Like, so I see their record. They're seven and two. And my response is, because, you know, I, I went to a game, Greg, I tell you, I, I got very good seats good to a game. Right? I went to the, uh, <laughs> who was that we played, kid? Tulane, wasn't yeah, you, it was the Tulane, Tulane game, game, right? You're, the Tulane so game. you're yeah. the blame for the loss. <laughs> right? so okay. I went to the Tulane game, right? And I'm like, okay. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule, I'm looking at who we beat, who we lost to, who we won, all these type of things. And to me, it comes off as this team has only, like the teams we were like were supposed to beat. We beat those teams, but when we play any team that's got any kind of fight to them, mm-hmm. we lost. So I hear a lot of people who over seems even to me it seems like people over scrutinizing this team. I'm like, okay, bro, they're seven and two. They still got a chance to win the conference. They win this week's game, which is they're telling me this is an easy game. Then you got SMU, and now you're looking at conference championship type stuff, mm-hmm. impossible big bowl game type stuff. Right. What do you think the the level of scrutiny? How should this team be viewed in your eyes? Well, let me say your your point is well taken mm-hmm. because a lot of people have that. Hey, they've played nine games, 
the two teams that really were were good mm-hmm. and they had a chance, they lost to both of those teams. Mm-hmm. And then they want all the other teams against the teams that they probably should have beaten. I, I, I understand that. And having just looked excellent doing that. You yeah. had a game where you just you came back on a last minute drive and right, right. The, the Navy game was ugly and yeah. yeah. And look, I understand the yeah. point. Okay, and yeah. you're not the only one that makes that point. But I think they're over scrutinized. Yeah. Even I, even I, I agree with it. Yeah. I am a bottom line guy. Yeah. They've played nine games. They want seven, seven of those of games. Yeah. You can only play the schedule that is put in front of you. Mm-hmm. Whether you win forty to thirty seven or win forty two to twenty four, a win is a win is a win. Mm-hmm. Yes, people are going to dissect it every way they can for style points, things of that nature. They had to come back in the last minute to win a game, all that. But you know what? Last year's team doesn't come back in that last minute and yeah, win that football game. Last year, they lost to a couple of teams that they should have beaten. They've lost to two teams this year, both in the top 25. The Missouri game in St. Louis, which was really a home game. I know it wasn't in Columbia, mm-hmm. but it was a home game. Oh, yeah, for sure. They lost by, what, a score mm-hmm. to Missouri. Missouri's pretty good this year, right? Yeah. They lost to Tulane. Now, they blew that lead. They had that lead against Tulane. They had a chance on that one possession to intercept Michael Pratt three times. They dropped it all three times. Things happened. They lost. Mm-hmm. Tulane's really good. They were in the Cotton Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not making excuses. They are beating the teams they should beat. If they can beat SMU, assuming they take care of business against Charlotte, and Charlotte, by the way, has more NIL money for their football program, way more than Memphis does. Mm-hmm. SMU has even more than that, and they're going to the ACC because they bought their way in. Mm-hmm. So SMU's got some players that they're giving NIL money to. Right. They're scoring points at will. Mm-hmm. Memphis has them at home. People expect Memphis to beat SMU no matter what the situation is. This right. is going to be their opportunity. There's going to be scrutiny if they don't win that game. Then they play Temple. Always tough to win in Philadelphia, but they should win. They should be 9-3 and three minimum, 10-2. and two. But that's going to be the difference, And I think, when it comes to people complaining about the Tigers, complaining about – Coach Silverfield is if they are nine and three mm-hmm. with the three losses against Missouri, Tulane, and SMU, <laughs> right. as opposed to ten and two. Mm-hmm. Because if they're ten and two, it means they've beaten SMU. And if UTSA, if Tulane beats UTSA, Texas San Antonio, then more than likely the tiebreaker gives Memphis that second spot along with Tulane in the conference championship game. As you alluded to, they mm-hmm. still have these goals in front of them. Right. They get the 10-2 and two conference championship game. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are, are people still going to complain about that? No. I had a caller uh, on my radio show who said they should be top 25 every year. What? <laughs> what? You, I said football, right? Not right. basketball. Uh-huh. Yeah, football top 25 every no. year. What are you? Are you crazy? The Cotton Bowl was an outlier. Yeah. That, that shouldn't happen every other year. This right. is, is Memphis. But when you go to the 12-team playoff, now that the group of five will be included, Memphis should be one of the top teams year in and year out Mm -hmm. in the conference. But in football, there's going to be three or four or five other contenders. Basketball, that's different. You expect them to be there every single year. But, yes, I think they've been scrutinized a little bit too much. But I do understand what you said about, okay, they've beaten seven teams that aren't great, and they've lost to two that are – darn good, mm-hmm. can they beat one of those teams that's a really good football yeah. team? They're going to get that opportunity against SMU. Yeah. But they're going bowling again. Mm-hmm. I remember when just getting to a bowl game back in the New Orleans yeah. Bowl. In we what, had oh, braids in his joint. Oh, yeah. oh, 03, I think it was. Yeah. Everybody loved it. Now it's like, eh, we're in a bowl game. Yeah. So, Well, I got, I got uh, bad news for you, Greg. I was at the – the last big game was, at, uh, was against Tulane. I was in the building. You're going to the SMU game. I'm going game. to the SMU game. <laughs> 
So <laughs> let's get into sweet or something. Yeah, Maybe that'll change everything. Yeah, so you do, you do right by me, man. You, you get blessed, man. Tiger football. <laughs> 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 well, man, that's my man, Greg Gaston in the building, man. Check him out. Like I said, Sports 56 Mornings, the Daily Memphis Podcast. Greg, I appreciate you coming on. Love it, man. Thanks so much, man, man. For sure, man. About to take a break. When we come back, the three-pointer is here on the Anthony Sane Show. See you guys in a minute. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, Elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. We have more capable shooters on this team than mm. we've had in a while. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not like, I don't know that we have one that is like flat out just dead eye. Man, two. But you've got five or six that can come out and hit two threes every night. For a second there, Jaquan did not look like he planned on missing. Well, David Jones' second half looked like he didn't plan on missing. I mean, Nick Jordan's knocking down balls. Jonathan Pierre threw one in there. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but they looked more like a team than previous Penny teams. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? This early in the year, for sure. We'll I just, think you come second half of the season, every penny team to date has looked like a, a team playing yeah. together, roles defined. But to the point, it's taken a chunk of the season to get to that point. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Just taking off of... We're not, I don't even want to talk about the players first. Just taking off of Penny Hardaway coach team's track record, mm -hmm. they typically, historically, play up to competition, whether they're yeah. the inferior team or not. And we've seen that throughout the last couple of years. And honestly, that's been a, a pretty hard critique on his teams is that they kind of leave a little bit to be desired against inferior opponents at times, and then they they know when to step up under the lights. This team, with how much experience and age that they have, and knowing the goal that they came here for, yeah, and knowing the conference that they play in, quality this opponents. This is that first opportunity to boost that resume so I can get to a tournament my final year yes. of eligibility for a lot of these guys. Yes, so this could be a tipping point for what the non-conference schedule could be. Right. And I just feel like with a team with this many experienced veteran guys, they understand what's in front of them. Tune in to On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Anthony Sane Show. 
This is a three-pointer where we talk about three things that's on my mind going on in the world of sports. My man Kenny Stubblefield had to leave this joint, man, but who better to fill in for my boy Kenny than Perry Sharkey? My guy, what's yes, going sir. on, bro? I get, I get, I shot you the best signal. I said, man, Kenny <laughs> got a roll, man. Just pull up on me. Right. Yeah, you pulled up on I'm me, here. man, and knocked this thing out, man. But boy, Perry Shark is in the building. Uh, number one on the three pointer. Uh, since the last time we did this show, this actually happened before we did the last show. Kind of forgot about it, but it's on my mind now. Uh, Perry Shark is. I'm gonna bring this up, man, for sure. ESPN released their rankings for the top NBA players under the age of 25. Uh, we've had these discussions. Of course, we know Luka Doncic is number one, rightfully so, depending on how old you think Luka Doncic actually is. Uh, we've had these those talks before. Uh, Luka Doncic is number one. Uh, Anthony Edwards is number two. I'm not going to argue about that. I think Anthony Edwards yeah. is, a, is a great player. He's probably one of my favorite players that doesn't put on a Memphis Grizzlies uniform. Uh, Victor Wimbignana, no surprise. Uh, yeah. I think it's a little early to put him in number three, but he's up there. Yeah. They got him in number three. I'm not mad at that, man. Ja Morant, do you think he should be in the top five? Of course. All right, would you put him at four behind Wimby or maybe even above Wimby? Yeah, probably. He should be probably number two. I think he needs to end. be. I can say he should be number two. <laughs> yeah. If we're talking about dudes under 25, I can like, see it. People forget. People get their short-term memory loss. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to get upset about like, it. Anthony Edwards, I get it, man. I get yeah. it. You know, Anthony Edwards, man. You know, I get it. Wimby Yana, hey, I can look at the seven foot six, do everything dude, and say he's not that good, even though – you know, we don't know. We don't know. We ain't, we ain't got enough evidence. But we, well, I can I can see a projection where you say that Wimby is number three. I ain't mad at that. But there's a player in between Wimby Yana and John Morant who's at number five. And who that guy is? Oh, it's about to get my blood boiling. I think ESPN is doing this to mess with me, man. Hey. <laughs> so you know who I'm about to say. Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton is better than John Morant, according to According to ESPN, man, top 25 players on the 25, Tyrese Halliburton, who has not sniffed the playoffs, is a better player than John Morant. There are certain things that I use to gauge transcending players, right? Or like guys who are like high-level players, like, you know what I mean? Right. And one of those things I use to gauge is what was that team before you got there? And what were they immediately when you did, when once you got there? LeBron James, Cleveland was not a playoff team. He took that team to the NBA playoffs his first season. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm Wait, wrong. Wait, no. Um, I think he missed his first two years, actually. No. Yeah. He missed For it. real? I remember, I thought Melo should have won rookie of the year because he took Denver to the playoffs his rookie year. And well, goddammit, he's still LeBron James. Yeah. But Cleveland, but to say a point, Cleveland was number one, number one draft pick, and he, I think he just missed the playoffs. And, and LeBron James took that team to the finals yeah. like within three years, and like, they just missed the playoffs by like a game or right. two. So year. my bad. Yeah, but hell, it's but LeBron. close enough. Yeah, LeBron. Like you said, Carmelo Anthony, mm -hmm. rookie year, that team was a lottery team. He took that team to the playoffs rookie year. Carmelo Anthony, Derrick Rose. I want to say he did the same shit, if I'm not mistaken. Those are the type of dudes who. Or impact players like you, 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 put, you get those guys on a team, and they make immediate changes. They go from being a bad team to a good team, because LeBron definitely did that. Yeah, basically, John Morant. Yeah, basically did what Ja did. Ja was on a he just missed the playoffs. Right, Ja was on a uh, non-playoff team, lottery team, the year before. The next year, he takes that team to what was the first ever play-in. And before the pandemic came and the whole we world were, shut down, the Grizzlies were the sixth seed in the West. 
they got into the bubble, had a really bad bubble run, yep. ended up not making the playoffs. In a weird format that you would never see the playoffs be determined by nope. again. You'd never see the NBA say, okay, play six games and a, and a, have a plan, and then, then you know, that, they won't do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, because of that, the Grizzlies didn't make the playoffs. Outside of that, John Morant would have taken his team from being a lottery team to a playoff team. And that was the year. In Damian, one season. That was the year Damian Litter went on his tour just kind right. of just going crazy. Talking, complaining, doing out the whole yeah. bubble before yeah. the bubble. He was they the, made the bubble for Dame basically. and Zion. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Right. Because he easily could have just said, all right, just go ahead to the playoffs. Easily could have just yep. said that. But Dame and, and Zion are the reasons why they had, had the actual whatever they, would, whatever they end up doing. So... Um, I said I had to say this. How in the hell do you figure Halliburton is better than Job when he's never led that team to anything? That team has been a non-playoff. Have they even made the play-in under him? Did the Kings make the play-in under him? Nope. Come, I think I think Tyrese Halliburton is a good player, man. But when I say when I talk about these these media plant theories that I have, where these they're guys that they're just gonna force down our throats, pause. Stop arguing with me, man. Like. What planet is Tyrese Halliburton better than John Morant? You think that if John Morant played on that FIBA team, he'd even come off the bench? No, sir. You think John would have been, like, leading that team? Like, him and Anthony Edwards would have been, like, monsters out there? Like, mm-hmm. me and you against the world type, yeah. type shit? Get out of my Get face, man. Like, what are we talking about? What And what planet is, is Tyrese Halliburton as good as John Morant? We got 17 more games before, yeah. before all this goes you think away. Of Ty, you, think of, you think if Tyrese Halliburton played for the Grizzlies and he had a 25-game suspension? We'd be like, oh, man, if Tyrese Halliburton gets back, those dudes might go 40 and 17 in the last 57. Would anybody say that? Nope. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Just, that kind of stuff bothers me so bad, bro. Like, it's the most ridiculous stuff to, when I think about this. And like you said, I really like yeah, Halliburton Cole. He can like, hoop. Yeah. That man, he Better than John Morant, though? <laughs> Why ain't your team good then? Like, you're talking about a guy in John Morant who, when he got to this team, like that dude made the Grizzlies a good team yeah. just being on this team. Hey, you know what? I remember Jai had got hurt. He had like a back injury or something, mm-hmm. had to miss a couple of weeks, and the Grizzlies fell like 10, 11, 12 games on yeah. the 500. And when he came back, they went on the run. Yeah. And got to the ACE. Bro, there are people who deal with people right now, including myself, <laughs> that if the Grizzlies go 1 and 24, they're like, all right, that means Jai just got to go 42 and 15. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't be surprised. With everything the Grizzlies have done right now, I would not be shocked to see the Grizzlies go 42 <laughs> and 15 when John Morant gets back because we've seen this team make those type yeah, of runs. That's, that's, t- that's the type of team they've been for the last two or three years, teams that can go on those type of runs. Oh, man, it's wild stuff, man. It's wild stuff for sure. Uh, but number two, the Memphis Tigers are preparing to head to uh, – the basketball Tigers are headed, preparing to head to Missouri. Um, Battle of the Tigers. This – yeah. And we've had one of those in football. It didn't really go the way um, that they wanted to. But I'll say this, and I'll move off of this real fast. This game could be very big for the Tigers. If you go on the road, this game is anticipated to be a sellout, I believe. Um, if you can go up there and beat this Missouri team, who isn't just a great team, but if you can get this win, I think it really sets the tone for the season and it makes the season feel different than other seasons have. We started off the seasons a lot, losing these type of games every year on the Penny Hardaway. When they get their first road test, you know, they've been losing those games. I think this game can really set the tone for this team. I don't know what they're going to do with the starting lineup. I'll talk to Greg about that as well because, you know, Caleb Mills and uh, Jordan Brown did not start. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know what that was all about, so we'll see how that looks. 
and what that means, but a very, very, very important game against Missouri. Paris, do you know anything about Missouri? No, I mean, college basketball just started. You know, all these teams yeah. at the transfer portal be switching players left mm-hmm. and right. So, I, I doubt they have the same team they had last year. Yeah. But this does remind me, last season the Tigers did similar. They won their first game. Then they had a game at St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I think it was easy. It was either their second or third game. Mm-hmm. And that was like their first big road test. They lost a close one, but it was kind of – this is what this game kind of feels yeah, like. Yeah, I, I think if they get over this, man, this could like defeat a lot of ghosts, kill a lot of ghosts if they can mm-hmm. beat this game, man. If they can win this game. I think it'll, it'll kind of set the tone for the season of what this team really is. And I hear people – I know that's a common narrative, but, man, it really feels like this is a big game at the beginning of the season. You go out there and beat them on the road, you feel a lot more confident about this team uh, as they prepare to, you know, uh, go into non-conference play, which we know is a big deal for this team, that that actual conference they play in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ain't really leaving much to be yeah. Yeah, <laughs> excited about. It's almost a muscle win, low-key. Number three, uh, your Memphis Tigers football team is preparing for another big game as well. This is uh, – who are they playing? Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. Who who the basketball Tigers will play in conference too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the game before the big game, man. Uh, there have been people saying that Seth Hennigan, his injury, they're not really certain whether he'll be ready to go on Saturday. Might have to play some Tevin Carter. Um, Let's go. Man, they got to get this win. <laughs> you can't trip this one up, man, because you get SMU, you're in really good shape as far as being as playing in that, uh, for the uh, uh, conference championship game, but this is the one that's important. This is, this is the type that historically that can bother, it can really ruin the season. But they got to get this one. I'm confident they will get it. But I don't know, man. Like If Seth's not, if Seth's not ready to go, if you, if, but I think if you can only get 70, 80% of him, that's better than – I'm pulling for Tevin Carter, but I don't know. I don't know yeah, if you want to rest him. It's a road game, too. Yeah, That's man. It's, if it was a home game, you would probably yeah. feel a whole lot more confident. Yeah. Because their road games have been kind of, mm-hmm. you know, they know Texas game. They almost blew it, right? Mm-hmm. That was a road game. Yeah. And, yeah, their road game's kind of been a little uh, it's, this This could be tough, man. Like, And if you get past this one, the next one just feels it will be so important. You'll be at home taking on SMU uh, for the opportunity to, you know, Kind of be in that and in a place you kind of can control things as far as the uh, your destiny in the conference. So yeah, let's hope the Tigers can get this win um, against Charlotte on the weekend. But yeah, man, that's the three pointer. About to take a break. When we come back, inside the same brain, we're gonna talk about food again, Paris Shark. We're gonna talk about something that is uh, what needs salt and what needs sugar, man. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Enter the Same Show. See you guys in a minute. Just taking off of, we're not, I don't even want to talk about the players first. Just taking off of Penny Hardaway coach team's track record. Mm-hmm. They typically, historically, play up to competition, whether they're yeah. the inferior team or not. And we've seen that throughout the last couple of years. And honestly, that's been a, a pretty hard critique on his teams is that they kind of leave a little bit to be desired against inferior opponents at times and then they they know when to step up under the lights this team with how much experience and age that they have and knowing the goal that they came here for yeah and knowing the conference that they play in quality this opponents, is that first opportunity to boost that resume so i can get to a tournament my final year yes. of eligibility for a lot of these guys. yes so this could be a tipping point 
for what the non-conference schedule could be. Right. And I just feel like with a team with this many experienced veteran guys, they understand what's in front of them. Tune in to On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. We have more capable shooters on this team than mm. we've had in a while. Yeah. Yep. And I'm not like, I don't know that we have one that is like flat out just dead eye. Man, two. But you've got five or six that can come out and hit two threes every night. For a second there, Jaquan did not look like he planned on missing. Well, David Jones' the second half looked like he didn't plan on missing. I mean, Nick Jordan's knocking down balls. Jonathan Pierre threw one in there. I don't know if this is going to make sense, but they looked more like a team than previous Penny teams. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? This early in the year, for sure. Well, just, I think you come second half of the season, every Penny team to date has looked like a, a team playing yeah. together. Roles defined. But to the point, it's taken a chunk of the season to get to that point. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Edge of the Saints show. Final segment of the show by my man, Perry Sharkey, who's subbing in for Kenny Stubblefield on the second half of the show. Uh, last time, man, you talked about food, man. We were talking about what do you do with chili, man? Do you go cornbread? Do you go grilled cheese? And I think the easy answer is if grilled cheese is an option, we go grilled cheese. I, I don't know how. I'm not saying that cornbread with chili might may be good or not, might not be good, whatever, but if grilled cheese is an option, why are we doing, why are we fooling around with uh, cornbread? Uh, today we're gonna talk about food again, man. Something that's on my mind as uh, uh, as the warm weather. I mean, the cold weather comes. Uh, Thanksgiving around the yeah, corner. Yeah, man. You think about food and things like that. You, we're definitely gonna do this come Thanksgiving time because there's so many things to debate about when it comes down to that. Uh, but today we're gonna talk about what needs salt and what needs sugar. Uh, and the two foods we're gonna talk about are rice and grits. Uh, Paris Sharkey. Me personally, I'm a salt. And pepper guy for both of those. Rather be first of all, I don't eat a lot of white rice. Period. Yeah, I don't eat just plain white rice at all. But ain't no way in the hell I'm putting sugar to that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not doing that at all, man. And grits are the same way. First of all, grits are corn. They're they're in the corn. They're, they're corn, right? Mm-hmm. There's no reason why I would ever put sugar on corn. So why am I putting sugar on grits? That, like, that's my thought about that. Yeah. Grits. I like a savory taste with grits much much more over. The sweet taste, because you know what I like to have with grits, shrimp. Yeah, I'm definitely and I definitely good. not adding uh, uh, sugar to that. 
Because my thing is, man, if I got some grits and somebody say, man, you know what? I got some shrimp, man. Can I throw these on top of there? Of course. Yeah, because I already got salt and pepper on it. But if, <laughs> if it's sweet, like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, Where like, are you at on that, like man? Like me, I'm not a huge grits person, but like shrimp and grits, like you said. Fire. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a grits and cheese. I'll do the grits with cheese. With cheese, yeah. But sugar? Yeah. Now, oh. rice, though, I'm sugar. Now, I just grew up on it. <laughs> I did, too. And yeah. When I was a kid, my mom and them used to make that. But I, there's I, there's nothing in me that wants it now. I'm not a big rice person, period. Oh, I am. Unless I have, unless it's, well, I'm a rice person if like gumbo, you know, yeah. like if, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. if it's just rice by itself. Yeah, white rice, no, yeah. I'm good. extremely good on it. Right. Like like I know in, in, the, in the households I grew up in, they would do like the sugar rice with like the salmon croquettes. Yeah, yeah. that's what I grew up on. Uh, I'm extremely good on it. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I got to eat it by itself, add sugar to it. But I, I would prefer not to eat it by itself. Man, yeah. um. I'm, I'm highly good on all that, man. But, um, yeah. Put that sugar down, man. Put some salt and pepper on this shit. Uh, I prefer not to eat it by itself. I Throw prefer, some cheese on that hoe. I prefer not to eat it with the sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me some. Give me the rice with the gumbo. Give me fried rice. Whatever. Yeah. Like regular regular rice. That's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. You ain't going to get no fried rice. Man. Put some sugar in that uh, shit. Oh, no. That's what <laughs> like, I said. Just so why am I putting rice. sugar on white rice? I don't because know, man. Because I probably got no choice. <laughs> I'm good, man. It's just... I ain't going to lie. The sugar grits... Sugar rice thing just reminds me of poverty. <laughs> like it just yeah. it just reminds me of a struggle meal, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. Bread. Yeah, and I grew up in poverty, man. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm good. I'm good on anything that reminds me of of, of those Except, things. Man, except peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Nah, you eat peanut butter jelly. I still do it. Hey, you have you, you tried the grill? Huh? <laughs> what the fuck? But it's on the grill. About? What? <laughs> a, a, a grilled peanut butter and jelly Somebody sandwich. Somebody put me on there, bro. You mean like a George Foreman type grill, yeah. right? Or like a yeah, George Foreman. Oh no, yeah, not the regular grill. Yeah, that sounds nasty, bro. Nah, jump out. I don't think jelly is supposed to be hot. Hey, first of all, yeah, that sounds nasty, bro. I didn't touch that. But they got those little uncrustable things. Those go in the oven, right? Not those, not in the oven. Not those go like in the toaster. Or something? I believe so. No, I'm yeah. good, family. I think I'm good on that for sure, man. But today it's a good show as well, man. Shout out to my man Greg Gaston. Shout out to you, parents, for hopping in. Kenny sure. has some business yet to attend to. Uh, thank you for jumping in your producer role this uh, this particular episode, man. We appreciate you guys for rocking with us. Hope you guys have a great weekend, man. Uh, by the time you guys are watching this, it's going to be game day for the uh, Tigers. Big game uh, against Missouri. Uh, and the football team, of course, has a big game this weekend. Hopefully we'll be able to celebrate two uh, Ws for the Tiger program um, this weekend. Yep, yep. Hopefully we'll get some Grizzlies win somewhere in there too, man. It's looking sick. But for Paris Sharky behind the glass, Kenny Stubbenfield taking care of that business, standing on business, this is Anthony Sane. We'll see you guys next time here on Anthony Sane Show. Thank you for listening to the Anthony Sane Show. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. For comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports, head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co and find out how you can become an insider. We will see you back here next week.